Hello everybody, welcome to the Bitchin' Brew podcast episode number 11. My name is Danny Randon and I, as always, will be your host for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or Acast. I'd imagine there's a few first-time listeners out there today because of the uh, guest on this podcast. Hello to you if this is your first time listening to Bitchin' Brew. Uh, I'll give you the proper introduction if it is. Bitchin' Brew is a podcast... Uh, which basically involves me sitting down with members of the music industry, uh, whether it's musicians or PRs, uh, fellow journalists and podcasters, geek promoters, uh, people who run record labels, and we just sit down over a hot beverage and and have a chat and uh, maybe have some biscuits as well. There's no sort of set agenda or prepared questions to a certain extent so we often go off on uh completely sort of non-music related tangents but it's always super fun uh before we begin i just wanted to tell you you know what i've been up to because it's been a really really busy month since we put out episode 10 uh shortly after we did put out that episode i went up to london and uh saw newfound glory three nights on the trot uh actually we recorded this podcast around that weekend too so i saw newfound glory uh they were doing two of their albums in full each night different albums so i essentially saw them play six of their albums in their entirety um and i also got to interview them i got to meet like some of my biggest heroes and I got to interview them for Upset magazine so that will be coming in Upset very very soon I'm sure. Uh, another the sort of biggest thing that I did in the last month and possibly all year uh, I don't know why I didn't mention this on the podcast before because we've been working on it for absolutely months now but uh, just a few days ago on Sunday I completed the Great South Run in Portsmouth Um, I completed it with my girlfriend Taz we set up our own sort of uh, social media charity initiative called Running for Ringo. Uh, we'd never really done any long distance running before, let alone a 10 mile run. Um, and we wanted to do something special in memory of my uh, best friend and mentor, Nick Southall, who uh, a lot of people probably listening to this podcast will affectionately know as Ringo. Uh, Ringo died a couple of years ago, sadly, of cancer. He was just 44 years old. Um, and he has a, a wonderful wife and two uh, beautiful little girls. So we decided to uh, run in their honour as well as Ringo's memory and raise money for Winston's Wish, uh, which is the charity for bereaved children doing wonderful things for families who are suffering from uh, such tragic losses. Uh, it was amazing to do the Great South Run. It wasn't easy. It really wasn't at all, but... Uh, so proud to have completed it and even more proud of the fact that we've raised uh, more than a thousand pounds already for Winston's Wish. We have said we're going to keep our Just Giving page open for another week or so. So if you are listening to this and you do want to donate, do you know? Do be aware we have done the run already, but we are more than happy to accept any donations towards Winston's Wish and help us push us a little bit further over that 1,000 mark. Uh, I'll put the link in the bio to our Just Giving page and uh, yeah it'd be great if you could spare any money that you can um it's not all been great over the last few weeks the uh the world has been quite frankly a really dark place and the internet um has not helped with that at all obviously uh, in wake of the allegations against Harvey Weinstein and the sort of subsequent 
surge of women coming forward and calling out uh, their um, previous sort of sex- sexual abuse um, incidents. I, d- I don't really know. I haven't really prepared sort of a speech for this, but um, you know, it's been it's been it was quite hard reading about all of this already, not having any personal connection with any of the women stepping forward um, with the things like the Harvey Weinstein case, and then I did see friends sort of start stepping forward and. Uh, it got really, really tough from that point, and it got even more tough when um, I saw last week, I'm not going to name names, um, I don't think we need to go into it too much here, I just felt like I needed to talk about it, um, but you know, seeing allegations, several of them, um, against someone that I would um, once have called uh, a friend and uh, a professional acquaintance, um you know, I really didn't want to believe the allegations that were coming out, but when so many of them uh, were emerging with such ironclad proof, it's really hard to deny. Not that I would want to sort of undermine the the bravery of the women coming forward, honestly. Uh, I think as an individual and uh, as the voice of the Bitch and Brew podcast, I just wanted to basically go on the record to say that um, I wholeheartedly condemn such vile actions, um, such emotional um, and physical torment. But even more than that, I want to uh, commend the uh, the courage and the bravery of the women who sort of stepped forward and, and spoke so candidly, um, even if it was just by doing so on the internet, um, I just wanted to say that uh, I'm certainly not alone, I'm sure, in saying that I've got your back in this and uh, no one should have to suffer in silence. So I basically just want to go on the record of saying that because I felt like it couldn't uh, just be sort of uh, brushed past anyway. But on with this episode because it is quite possibly the best episode of Bitch and Brew I've recorded yet. I know we're only 11 episodes in, we barely hit double figures, but honestly, this is. I had so much fun recording this one. My guest on the Bitch and Brew podcast uh, is the wonderfully talented Catherine Woods. Now, Catherine sings and plays guitar in a band called Fresh. It's a uh, four piece uh, indie pop punk or punk pop, I should say, uh, four-piece from London. Uh, They put out their debut self-titled album earlier this year, came out on Specialist Subject Records. It's one of my favourite debut albums of the year, if not albums overall. And, of course, Specialist Subject is is a wonderful, wonderful label. They've got so many great bands on there. Obviously, we've had Landy from Muncie Girls on the podcast before. And uh, they're also really great for distro as well. Honestly, like the other day, I was uh, so happy because they got a load of stock in from Run For Cover Records over in the States. And I was able to pick up the cassettes of the last two turnover records and the the Camp Cope mini album on cassette for my car because I have an old car. um, And uh, didn't have to pay mad shipping costs. So shout out Specialist Subject Records. If you haven't uh, checked them out yet, then they are seriously worth logging onto the internet and purchasing a few records from. Uh, this chat with Catherine was recorded uh, in a Weatherspoons in the Big Smoke, London town, uh, at the beginning of the month. Uh, Weatherspoons is quite a big talking point, uh, rather hilariously, on this podcast. But we also talk about the band um, and the album, of course. We 
talk about uh, festival season because we're both still kind of buzzing from it. The sort of post-festival season uh, euphoria was still wearing off a little bit, you know. Uh, We talked a little bit about RuPaul's Drag Race because it is possibly the best TV show ever. Uh, We talked about a bunch of things, honestly. This is uh, a really solid one, especially if it's your first time tuning in. You've tuned in when we are definitely on a high. It's going to take some beating. We're going to dive right into uh, the podcast straight after we hear a song from Fresh's debut album, the aforementioned record. Um, I wanted to play the second song from it because when I first heard it live earlier this year and when I first heard Fresh um, at So Punk Fest... Uh, this song just stood out to me so much, whether it was uh, lyrically or just from the quality of the the chorus and the melodies. Uh, it's the second song from the album, as I think I've mentioned already. It's called Get Bent. Um, in approximately one minute and 27 seconds time, we're going to be diving right in to having a bitch and brew with Catherine Woods from Fresh. But in the meantime, here's Get Bent. Don't tell me what to like. with Rich we just talked for two hours and then he cut it like an hour in once we've gotten like really into the loop is that Rich from Happy Accidents right yeah, yeah they've just they've just launched that podcast yeah I think I was the third, third podcast um, mm. yeah, that was really fun mm. but we had to cut loads out just bitching about people just being like <laughs> fuck that guy like, <laughs> so many yeah. hot takes <laughs> so much gossip <laughs> I feel like Fresh aren't the kind of band that would start Twitter beef with anyone yeah. or at least sort of not, not at least beyond a joke. Um, I think every band gossips. We gossip a lot. Yeah. But I, I don't think we gossip in a mean way, and we have problems with people, and when we do, we message them. Right. Like, we don't do call-outs. We don't do public shit. Pu- that's, public call-outs. I, I love, obviously I love accountability and shit, but I think call-out culture in public is more often just really not helpful. Because <laughs> if someone calls you out as being a sexist on Twitter... You're going to be defensive. You're going to naturally be defensive, and no yeah. one's going to want to change anything. So, mm. yeah, people are. I find it hard even when I, people deserve to get fucking punched in the face. I find it hard to do it. Like um, on the last day of tour with our two-week tour last month, we played Plymouth, and 
we walked in, us and Jesus and his judgmental father, and it was like old punk guys, as far as the eye could see, just these like really old, like proper, you know, like punk punk people. Yeah. Um, they looked at us like we had two heads, and we played the show, and then we were watching Jesus, they played right after us. And this guy was taking pictures of them with his iPhone. And I was like, that's fine. That's normal. Yeah. But then he started taking pictures of the crowd. And I was like, oh, okay, well, he's not like a professional photographer. But I guess he wants crowd shots. That's fine. Yeah. And it like centered him to take a picture of me and George. And I was like, Ooh. And then it centered him to take pictures of my face. And um, I was wearing my pink baseball cap. So I just like swiveled it around and did that. And he stuck his hand under the baseball cap for him to keep taking pictures of my face. And even then, I didn't... I didn't I froze up and I, I I didn't even know what to say and George yeah. had to like push him away and tell him to fuck off. But really? like, yeah, I really want to become more assertive because if someone's fucking sticking their hand under your baseball cap, mm. like I should feel, I don't know why I don't. Like, you know, it's all, it's easy to be like, oh, fuck, fuck yeah. these people who do this. But then when it actually happens to you, you just freeze up. Have you, did you see the video that surfaced recently online of um, always on stage? The, girl, the guy kissing her? Yeah. Yeah, fucked up. That, that's so And her up. reaction was exactly my reaction because she was shocked and then she was like laughing because she was so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's she like, was like, what, what, what the, the fuck, fuck is happening? <laughs> like, and when shit like that happens, you, you laugh and then people think that you're not angry or like, yeah. just, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm, I'm making a joke out of it because it's the only way I know how to handle it. Especially if you're a bit younger or like, if you're just in, you know, I was really uncomfortable to start with because it wasn't our kind of scene. Well, how old were you when you started Fresh? Um, 18. 18. We started playing shows. And 17 how- when we started recording. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't, I'm a bit better, but I'm still really... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like this Weatherspoons is trying to be Posh? po- posher than it should be. I love that Weatherspoons is beautiful buildings and posh shit for two pound fifty. Like, yeah. I love that. Have you seen the Buzzfeed article, which is like twenty-five Weatherspoons no. pubs, which will like melt your heart? I can I can promise you, we went to like three of them on tour. We saw some beautiful Weatherspoons. There was one in Exeter. And I was like in love. It was gorgeous. And there was one in Glasgow that was like an old theatre. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is the second episode we've recorded in a Weatherspoons. Oh yeah. Funnily enough, the other one that was recording in Weatherspoons was with George. Yeah, was it? What Weatherspoons was it? Oh, uh, it was when was it during that all day with yearbook and I told you I'd eat you. It was in Oh, probably you're going to really I test there, me here. So I probably don't know. Sorry, yeah. you have to. No, it's cool. It was, uh, oh man, I'm so rubbish Look, with my... man, spoons blur by, you know, when they're a part of your lifestyle, they're a part of the ethic. You can't remember every spoons. <laughs> there, were like, there were like three or four spoons in Portsmouth where I was a student, and the sort of main one right in the sort of Guildhall Square... Uh, you always walked in there if you were hungover going for like a Wetherspoons <laughs> breakfast. It was called the Isambard Kingdom Brunel. Nice. Uh, it still is, not was, obviously, but um, we always called it the Izzy Brew. Aww. Yeah, um, this is Shakey's Head, some people Shakey's Head. But Shakespeare's Head. Imagine it in a very posh boarding school accent, yeah. and that's everyone on my course. <laughs> I, think, I think they should call it Bill's Bonds. Bill's Bonds. <laughs> that's good. Um, but yeah, obviously, you walk in at like, say, nine o'clock in the morning or even earlier to go for like a Weatherspoons breakfast before lecture nice. or like, yeah. you know, a hungover Weatherspoons breakfast yeah. after a night on the sesh. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was always like at least three old Portsmouth men in there. Yeah, real timers. With, with like 
hugging a pint of Guinness before <laughs> before nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, fucking hell. And, and there's yeah. something oddly romantic about it. Oh, yeah. And that, you know, at that, at that, I know it's not Portsmouth, but at the Plymouth, another key, um, the Plymouth show, everyone was drinking so much. Yeah. Just, there is those old, old, old guys, old punk guys, and who just drink. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I have, like, two beers, and I'm, like, off the wall. <laughs> yeah. I have a really low tolerance. But I always use this, um, this, uh, Wednesdays for interviews and shit, because it's right by my campus. Like, when Ryan from Kerrang was like, where do you want me for the interview? I was like, Shakespeare's head. <laughs> like, I love it. Like, it's just my default. Well, this is right around the corner from the old Kerrang offices. Yeah, in Shaftesbury Avenue. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But when now... I was 16, I walked up there with a CV, like... <laughs> and I uh, didn't, didn't get a call back. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's... Uh, the offices there were really cool. I, I used to go there on, like, you know, the uh, the Go Think Big, like, experience days that they would do? Mm. Like, Go Think Never Big, the, them, the career wow. service. Oh, cool. Where they would do, like, spend a day at the Kerrang offices. That's so cool. It was really cool, because I kind of... I kind of know through working with them, maybe not necessarily for Kerrang, but certainly, like through a sort of professional relationship and I would just turn up to these things like having booked a place on them and they'd go oh hey, what are you doing here you know about Kerrang already you've heard what we're going to tell you about like four times <laughs> yeah I, I know I know Ryan through kind of professional him interviewing me shows yeah. I know James who doesn't work there anymore but um, they are both lovely people and uh, uh, it's a shame James left because uh, but I'm sure it will continue with Ryan there just I really like the way Kerrang's going Ryan's a sort of it's Ryan is I'm, I'm sure he's probably listening probably not um, <laughs> he'll be like Catherine Woods no no <laughs> don't want to listen to that one oh, I've already done it <laughs> in the same spoons uh, <laughs> he, he's amazing though in terms of Kerrang's sort of young blood journalist so bringing me back to, his hardcore special was amazing yeah you know, I bought that copy um I was in it but I bought that copy <laughs> and I love his writing he's such a good yeah like I, I tried to write for a long time I wrote for Bring the Noise um, so I did did quite a lot of reviews and interviews and shit um, but I never quite got that that really cool succinct journalistic style that he has I feel like a lot of young journalists start at Bring the Noise because <laughs> yeah. that was like kind of one of my first I'm, I'm still trying to keep my options open but it's hard well it got awkward because the PR album spreadsheet would be like who wants to review the fresh album and I'd be like and I don't think they knew I was in Fresh. And I just, uh, and, you know, like... I've reviewed my own band once. Have you? Yeah. What did you say? Handsome okay. singer. <laughs> the drummer's amazing. Oh, right. <laughs> no, um, I should have done that, right? Lyrical genius and yeah. rhythm. So, as has been mentioned on Bitch and Brew multiple times, I was in a metalcore band. Okay. Because that was, like, the scene that I grew Look, up in in West Sussex. George was in not metalcore. George was in a hardcore band. See, Tim that's a little bit more hardcore band Yeah, hardcore's still... Hardcore's fine. Hardcore's great. I want to get into hardcore band, but intimidate a bit. But the Ryan, the feature Ryan did about women in hardcore, there was like yeah. a, a whole sizable section to people who aren't guys. So he gave me some good jumping off points. Cursed Earth and Cursed Gouge Away. And... Uh, there's a great band uh, called No Right. Okay. And uh, the singer is a Japanese woman. Uh, I think Japanese. She might be Malaysian. I can't remember. Um... But they posted a Facebook video of their show, and there's all these women at the front and girls with their shirts off, just like having a fucking great march, having a great time. And some of these girls uh, are like, there's a lot of fat women and stuff up at the front. And people start fucking sharing, it kind of 
old school lad bible people just like look at this <laughs> and it totally backfired because everyone was like this is fucking sick who are this band and yeah. they, they got so much attention from it <laughs> and it, they, that's how I heard of them so I went and looked at their page liked the page listened to the band camp and yeah they're amazing mm. so yeah and there's Tallahassee um, there's Bleed the Pigs from Tallahassee as well Beneath the Pigs Bleed the Pigs Bleed the Pigs and I sing as a black woman she I've seen some amazing like photos of their shows like professional mm. like photographer stuff and they, it's, it looks like a great time. Huckle has an energy that I really want to see more of. Yeah. And I'm jealous of because I find it hard to move on stage and play guitar and sing at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. You've gone through some like some kicks before and some, some jumps. Kick. But... It's hard. It's hard to do a lot when you have to stay at the mic. Yeah. Just singing. Um, and also, my guitar's crazy heavy, and I'm unfit. I have noodle arms. I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> noodle arms. I have noodle arms. Like <laughs> I have no upper body strength. <laughs> you'll you'll be doing the spin kicks soon. Oh, I hope. Scarecrow are a very active band on stage. Oh, they're great. Yeah, and Toby, the bassist, is always doing some really good your favourite weapon era pop punk jumps. <laughs> like the Fallout Boy. <laughs> yes, under the, he went spinners. <laughs> Those yeah. were like kind of the first, that was the first time I saw people like pirouetting in bands and I, That's stuff his or... trademark, the, the turn. Yeah. The, I love that, yeah. yeah. I, I want to get that, but... You know, I mean, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, I want to be like doing like swinging off a fucking trapeze and just like, calm down, you have to sing. <laughs> when, when I was, I became a student again last year, and before I went into like an exam or like a lesson that I was particularly nervous about because it was a really hard diploma that I did in journalism. And um, wow. before going into exam, I would get pumped by. Uh, watching compilations of uh, Jason from Let Live, oh, just going cool. nuts. At his show. I don't know if you've seen like. <laughs> I've seen them live. Uh, they supported. They probably supported All Time Low or some kind of thing. Was it supporting Pierce the Veil? Maybe Pierce the Veil, yeah. And one of those shows I went along to when I was a bit younger. Oh right. Um, but I never listened to Let Live. But they were always on the other side of the posters I had, mm. <laughs> so I need to like check them out. Absolutely. Well, R.I.P. Let Live. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They split might not, then, because then I'll just be sad. No, you should. Okay. They created, like, <laughs> okay. three of the best modern hardcore. Wow. Actually, three of the best rock records of the 21st century. Anyway, Catherine, welcome to Bitch and Brew. Hello. <laughs> so, as Bitch and Brew, or Catherine learns about hardcore. Catherine learns about hard. Catherine and Danny learn about hardcore. Yes. Bleed the pigs. Bleed love, the pigs. Love it. Uh, it's, I, it's a political cool statement, isn't it? It's awesome. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are here at Shakespeare's Head in um, in central London, in Hoban. Right by my uni. So you uh, is this your first time as a student? Yeah, this okay. is my second year. Uh, what are you studying? French. Wow. Seventy-five. It's a major French minor English. It's an American kind of. It's 25% English lit. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's great. It's where, fucking hard. So where where are you studying? King's College. Oh, okay. So this is just around the corner. It's the Strand campus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's it's really big and it's not very personal. Uh, and I'm a commuter. I live at home, so I just take the Piccadilly line in every day. So it's mm. kind of it's kind of hard to. I'm not really getting the social aspect, but that's why I have a band. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, being in a band is pretty much the same to halls, <laughs> especially being on tour. So. I, I didn't I didn't do the social experience with uni because I didn't get into halls. Okay. I applied too late for halls. Oh, Long story. Yeah, yeah. But I got into Portsmouth and yeah, I had to find a place to live and. Um, 
And my dad, luckily, a colleague of his had a son who was at Portsmouth, but going into his third year, and they had a house okay. in a decent location, well, not bad, yeah. and they had a spare room going because one of their housemates had dropped out. Cool. So it was like, cool, well, I was a fresher, but I was going into a house for the third year. That's kind of cool, though. It was, but they, they, they like, like you? They, they, well, no, they, they like football, and they like One Direction, and they like The Only Way is Essex. I could I could go down with the last two. Really? I could get down with that. Like, Do you, are, are you a Towie fan? No, but it tra- trash TV's fun. You know, like I watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Can't be that much different. Yes. Come on. That is what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched all of it? Pretty much. I think I I think I'm stuck on the season with Bob the Drag Queen. I didn't even finish, and someone told me that. She, Spoiler alert. No, 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 no. Don't. That somebody I... told me that she lost and I love her a lot. <laughs> anyway, change subject. <laughs> I, I, I'm new to Drag Race. Oh, okay. So I'm when on... When you get on that, Bob the Drag Queen is my favourite and they are the... He's the funniest person. Yeah. And that is my favourite season. I am... Yeah. I'm like halfway through season three. Okay. Well, they don't have season one on Netflix, but they, no, ha- they don't. So I started with season two, yeah. which is the one that uh, Raven was on, and I can't even remember it so far. Gigi B, yeah. who's probably my favourite drag queen today. It's so like um, low budget at the beginning, though. It's like it you will win ten dollars, <laughs> but then when you get to the one now, it's like win four hundred million dollars. It's like crazy how big it got. Yeah. That was the one that, like, Tyra Sanchez, the real Tyra, or the other Tyra, or whatever it was true. Because don't RuPaul and Tyra Banks have, like, a massive beef with each other? I don't know much about that. (laughs) (laughs) My best friend Frankie would would tell you, like, straight off. They got me into RuPaul's Drag Race, and they're super into pop culture and stuff. I'm a bit behind. I, lo- I love how tr- I like, you know, hungover days are RuPaul yeah. days well, for me. Well, that's why I feel like, anyways, Essex can't be that different. Yeah. Maybe it'd be even funnier because, you know, we all know someone from Essex. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the advert for that show, Bromans, that's no. on ITV2 now? It is it looks Roman like, Bros? Well, it looks like Love Island, but set in ancient Roman times. Like, they all have to wear tunics and, like, gladiator outfits. But it's a reality TV show. Yes. It sounds like Raven. As in the the challenge begin, (laughs) which was the original. Wow, that is a blast from the past. My favourite show growing up. That 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 and Takeshi's Castle. Yeah. Favourite shows. uh, Takeshi's Castle is returning, but with Jonathan Ross doing the commentating, which is. Oh. Yeah, that's gonna. I'm gonna hate that. That's like. Well, as long as I have to see him, he's got a kind of uh, weird uncle vibe. Um, I'm sure he's nice. It's the it's the hairpiece at the top. Yeah. But. I kind of like, he's alright, he's got, uh, I don't uh, he has a, he's got a lisp, doesn't he? Yes, he, he can't say, he can't say arse, which can't is, say arse. so he calls himself Jonathan Wass. Wass. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, my parents, well, growing up, we used to watch the Jonathan Wass show, mm. like, every night. So. I'm a Graham Norton kind of guy now. Yeah, we, I prefer Graham Norton too. Or, well, America have the best talk show hosts. Yes. If, if you discount James Corden. <laughs> um... <laughs> I, Irish comedians are inherently better than British comedians. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think so. Irish people have a better sense of humour. So, are you? So, are you originally from Ireland? Or are you? Have you uh, my London? parents were 
were both Irish, um, mm. and then they moved to uh, to London, and I was birthed. <laughs> so I'm English, really. Well, yeah. I, yeah. Like, I, I've, I never lived in Ireland. I go there a lot, but I've never lived there. I've never been. It's great. Is it, yeah? yeah. <laughs> the, like, I've been told the more... Like, you go to Dublin, and Dublin's... Dublin's know. where both my parents are from. Right, OK. Um, and it's cool. Uh, uh, I've been to Galway and Kerry and Cork and stuff, and it is crazy, the difference. Mm. Like, Dublin is it, and then a lot of it is just rural. But it's beautiful. It is, yeah. like, gorgeous. Yeah. It's really nice. Uh, I'd like to play shows there, but it's a, it's a hard place to play. Mm. It costs a lot to get there for some reason, even though it's so near. It's way cheaper to get the ferry to Europe. Uh, for some reason, like, there's only three places you can really play in Ireland. You can play Galway, you can play Dublin, you can play Belfast. Yeah. There's not a lot of scope. The scenes are great, but it's just hard to get there. Yeah, I mean, because you, you've got some great bands from Ireland at the moment. Obviously, you've got Anna Zanka. I was about to say Anna Zanka. Uh, and the... Winter Passing. Yeah, absolute gold Fuck, standard, yeah. the Winter Passing. Yeah. Um, who I must get on here soon. Yeah, and uh, And Greywind as well. Greywind, haven't heard of them. Oh, okay. So, um, this, this feels like such a cop-out, because I feel like if you are a person that goes, oh, they're, they're, a, they're a band with a female singer, it sounds oh, like Paramore. Right. But do this, they, yeah, if they this sound like Paramore, sounds like, like the, you know, like the first Paramore album with like songs like Conspiracy, like the second half of the Par- first Paramore yeah. album with like Conspiracy and My Heart and the darker side of things. Yeah. That's what Grey Wind kind That's of sounds. That's cool. And she's got an amazing voice. That's really cool. She's got a really big, yeah. very high pitch, but very sort of crystal clear voice oh, it's so amazing nice. I highly recommend it okay it is an actual female fronted band that sounds like Paramore yeah fuck yeah I'll check them out um, and I love watching Kate Katie uh, Kate I think it's she calls it Kate I love watching Kate on stage we played 2000 Trees and they played and uh, one of the highlights of the weekend was watching them yeah like, oh they were such great. a fun band Kate? were you there yeah I was yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah did yeah. we hang out I think we did I was it very was... drunk <laughs> I think you guys turned up when we missed. We missed one day. We you turned Friday. up on the Friday night, right? Yeah, yeah, really late. Really late on the Friday night. It was about one o'clock in the morning, and Wallflower did their campsite, oh, uh, cool. campsite Weezer acoustic cover set. Oh, nice! And after that, everyone was just sort of hanging around. We'd started to get into the silent disco zone. Oh yeah. Which. Kate was stoked about like between every song on their set next day she was like see you at the silent disco later and I'm like <laughs> yeah yeah they kept talking about that was funny um, we arrived at that festival and we pulled in and um, we were like hello we're here just go through that gate and they were like what do you call this you can't come in this time they're like you're going to sleep in your car and then we were like we're playing and they were like oh alright well yeah well we'll see what we can do we'll have to fix we'll just this once we'll fix it it was so funny the way they backtracked they were so rude to us at first we thought they were yeah they were being dickheads that that like, festival however oh, is great. the best it's festival the best, I mean, I've ever been to all I've been to besides that festival is Slam Dunk and Reading <laughs> so of course that festival seems amazing but I I, I am desperate to play again I hope we play full band again in, in terms of like Okay, so festivals sort of from the size of 2000 trees upwards. Yeah. I've been to Slam Dunk and I've been to Download and I've been to Reading. Yeah. Reading is far at the bottom. I went to Reading when I was fucking 17. I didn't have a convincing fake ID. 
What? I didn't. It was. What year was that? 2014. Oh, okay. I, I saw Paramore. I saw Blink 182 original lineup. I saw the Front Bottoms. I saw the Wonder Years. I saw. Oh. I saw some good bands. I went um, in But it was a horrible atmosphere. I went yeah, in I 2013. Like I went in 2014 for a grand total of about four hours <laughs> because I was doing my summer internship for Hassle and Lonely the Brave okay. were playing. So I went on site on the Saturday, watched them, and then kind of fucked off. Oh, cool. Um, but it's I, I haven't been for the last couple of years. But I wouldn't from, go again. Yeah, from the from what I've heard this year about at the drive-in having like a zero, like minimal crowd really? on the main stage, like in the middle of the day. Um, you know, and that's fucking at the drive-in. That was meant to be like a huge deal. It's like um, the time I saw Saves the Day on tour at the Front Bottoms, mm. and uh, they they did a banquet venue, they did Duke's Bar and Hounds, did so these tiny venues, and no one came. Yeah. And then it's fucking hot. four months later, the Front Bottoms play the garage sold out. There's queues out the door, and I'm like, wow. Front, front Bottoms are playing the Roundhouse later this year. I know, year, and I'm taking my sisters. I'm so excited. Oh, wow. It's like Seas Mystery Pound as well, I've never seen them. And they're our label mates. Oh, nice one. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, with the at the drive-in turnout, and like even the turnout for like the more sort of buzz bands, yeah. for la- lack of a That's sort of weird. less wanky phrase. Like, Mum said some Frank Carton were in the Big Ten, and they didn't get... This so, is all like third, you know, secondhand knowledge. So your point is these bands, obviously these bands have a good hype and they have really passionate followings, but at Reading they didn't draw a lot of people. Reading originally is obviously a rock festival. It was yeah. called Reading Rock and yeah. now it apparently just oh, feels yeah. more like V Festival. Yeah, Reading, I, I like... Um, if you like the Marmosets, the Front Bottoms, and at the drive-in, you're gonna pay to see them at an actual show, yes. or you're gonna go to a smaller festival that they will undoubtedly be playing. Mm. Reading is now the reason these bands play it is because it's an industry festival and it's good. It looks yep. good. It's exciting. Everyone wants to play Reading. It's just exciting, and um, you wanna get your music to a mainstream audience because the people there, it's not rock fans. It's rock fans in the sense of Arctic Monkeys rock fans. Mm. So. Or drug people, which is also cool. I had a great time at Reading. In my only time that I went there as a punter, it was 2013. I went with a friend and had a great time. Okay. But it was the year that Eminem played. So the amount... I saw Eminem as well. He played in 2014 as well. Really? Yeah. Was it Eminem or Macklemore? I think it was, I think it was Macklemore. Okay. Like yeah, yeah. Is it pronounced Macklemore? Yeah. Well, I, don't, well, I don't know. This is like a... a you know a, what? No one's going to be like... You're mispronouncing <laughs> Mac. That you can put. Anyone can say whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna I say think Mac-lamore it's actually now. pronounced Macklemore. I think it's pronounced Mac. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Reading, right down the bottom. Download. I went for the first time in eight years uh-huh. this year. I'd been like twice before. The vibe at Download. It's very busy. I had a very busy weekend, but it's it's really cool at Download. And you know. Their recognition of young bands is getting better and better now. It's yeah. had a couple of bum years where it was like the same sort of regressive bill, you know, just play the old songs, you know. Right, yeah. So their cultivation of new bands on the bigger stages was just horrendous. But this yeah. year, they had an amazing, uh, they did an amazing job of that, you know, Creeper on the main stage. Yeah, and, it was and, exciting. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a special moment. <laughs> um, and then Slam Dunk. Have you been? I've been to Slam Dunk okay. twice. What are your opinions? Um, a lot of queuing. A lot of queuing. Um, I mean, I loved it because when I went, I was 18, and I also realised you can just smuggle in beer, 
Um, so I got massively pissed. Wonderful time. Uh, we drove there and we drove back. It felt more of a mates thing. Uh, the bands were obviously a bit more pop punk emo centered, which is always nice. I saw like saw fireworks. Who I have a bit of, I have I have, a, I have oh a huge God. soft spot for them because they were the first band I ever interviewed. I interviewed Kyle, the bassist. Yeah. Um, he was really nice, and then uh, it was nice to see them at a thing. And who else I see? Narwhals. Oh, <laughs> always great. If you go fucking far back enough on my Instagram, there's a picture of me age 17 and 18, like meeting Narwhals, taking pictures with them and shit, which is really that, that must be, That must be quite weird because obviously you're on the same label as Ship Present, right? So same label as Ship Present. We support we support Narwhals at their at their oh not party release thing. Yeah. Or not releasing, but they're outsiders in full. And I, I just I I'd like to think. Tom and I are like acquaintances, or mm. not kind of friends, but like I, he 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 knows I I have the biggest I fucking ah uh, you know I turn into like a, a fucking seventeen year old again when I talk to him, but I try and hide it. <laughs> I talked about this on the Happy Accents podcast, so I'm not going to go into it again. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think Tom is an amazing songwriter, and I think Noel's are a really cool band. I remember when I went to that Reading in 2014 where I was with Hassel and was there four hours. The only other band I saw, uh, apart from Lonely Brave, and I think I saw a bit of Royal Blood, but I saw Narwhals on the main stage. And I, I saw, them. saw them as well on the main stage. Did I go in 2013 or 2014? It I was Narwhals on the main stage, um, Eminem, Macklemore. Eminem and Macklemore didn't play the same year. I definitely saw Macklemore. Okay. And Muse? No. no Blink One Eighty Two, Paramore. Yes, yeah, you went two thousand fourteen. But they they, play, the they must have played twice in a row because they def. I, well, I saw them at Reading. I can't remember. Yeah. So, That's so weird. Um, yeah, Noel's on the main stage and they were like, "Yeah, we're never going to play this again. Yeah. So we're just going to have a fucking break." Yeah. It was like watching um, Baby Godzilla open the Kerrang tour and playing like oh, really? Brixton Academy size venue. <laughs> well, playing Brixton Academy yeah, yeah. and them just going, "We're not meant to be here. We're meant to be in like a sweaty rock bar. Let's <laughs> just let's just run around the yeah. massive empty space where a crowd should be." Yeah. Um, um, R.I.P. Heck, by the way. They, they oh, split yeah, up. I never... An- another loss this year. But back to 2000 Trees, because I wanted oh, to ask you, I unfortunately missed your acoustic set, because you didn't do a full band set that No, weekend, and right? I'm hoping we will. I am if, if really hoping if, we will again. If the organisers of 2000 Trees are listening, <laughs> sorry I don't know you by name, but 2000 Trees 2018, make it better, fresh well. band set, <laughs> full band. Well, and, and Barlow, who puts together the acoustic stage, said he'd recommend us. Yeah. And he's the loveliest person. Laura Ankles introduced me to him. So, you did the acoustic set. I feel like we should go for a refill in a minute. Yeah, we definitely should. Um, should we do it now? Um, yeah, I'll, all right. I'll, I'll remember where we are and we'll all come right. back to it. All right, okay. Hey, so while we're waiting for uh, me to go and get some more coffee, I thought it'd be a really cool thing if we played another song off of Fresh's debut self-titled album. Uh, This song is probably a little bit more laid back than uh, Get Bent, but by no means uh, lower in quality. This is one of my favourite songs off the record. Uh, It's a really beautiful track. It's called Six Months, and uh, we'll play it in a minute. But if you like what you're hearing, maybe you might want to... uh, subscribe to Bitchin' Brew on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or Acast or indeed all of the above Um, and uh, if you've already done that then obviously thank you very much Uh, but I will leave the links to subscribe in the description uh, of this podcast and uh, any support you can give Bitchin' Brew uh, while it's still a young podcast will be 
appreciated beyond words. We're going to carry on with my chat with Catherine just after this. This is Fresh, and the track's called Six Months. Nowhere to go, nothing to do, lying on my back in the late afternoon, staring out the skylight, watching the world pass me by, sprawled on my back. the skylight watching the world pass me by so bitch and brew number 11 part two there we go um, we're talking about 2000 truths yeah um yeah i want to ask you about your acoustic set because mm-hmm. am i right in thinking you play by the big tree sign yes right in front of it and right in the middle of the silent disco yep um <laughs> So being that those acoustic sets are completely unplugged, how did that go? Well, uh, we were literally battling like a thousand people badly screaming the words to all the small things in their headphones. <laughs> so I feel like that in itself is an artistic statement about yeah. punk and added something to our songs now. Maybe, maybe an artistic <laughs> low point. Yeah, no, as if. We got to, like, it wasn't, obviously it's about how we played, but it was really more about the fact that we got to go to a great festival. Like, the the performance was short and only 10% of the... And sweet. And sweet, hopefully. Um, people there seemed to like us. Guy in a shit present shirt was watching, which was nice. Um, there were quite a lot of people watching. And um, some people, like, helped out with the scene to make it a little bit louder. Uh, yeah, it was good. Like, I was quite drunk. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it was good. Can you still play the songs well when you're drunk? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like, find, like, some bands need to be, like, totally, like, focused. Like Most bands sensibly have a, have a don't drink policy, but um, I perform better if uh, my inhibitions are loaded and I'm more confident and mm. the quickest most convenient way to do that is have like two two beers is my s- sweet point yeah um, 
that will probably change as I get older. It's probably not going to be something I'm doing forever. But for now, like I practice a lot, so I don't need to be like by myself so for my part. So I don't need to be completely clear. I can play them fine. Um, yeah. And it just it helps me relax and have fun. I remember like when you first started doing gigs, you realise like that when you look back on the sort of the first gigs that you do as a teenager, and you're like, why did I think that I needed so much water? <laughs> like you're, when you get ready for a gig, you're like, I need oh, yeah. seven bottles yeah, yeah, of water. Yeah. Like, I need ten and liters of water. And then you put them down in the front screen. of you or on the amp, and you don't touch them because you're having too much fun. You forget. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, am I right in thinking that? I don't know if it was you that told this uh, this story or, or uh, one one of the band that told the story. It may have been a completely different band. Oh, gone. Um, apparently, someone interrupted your acoustic set. So they asked for a photo in front of the 2003 <laughs> Yeah, so, um, George, yeah, so, um, they didn't interrupt the set. Oh no, that didn't happen to us, mm. but we have a very similar story. Right. No, our set wasn't inter- no, God, that would be, I would like go off on someone if they did that. I'd be like, I'd be like, just see this purple wristband. It means I'm an artist. No. <laughs> Know who I am. Do you know what's funny about Thousand Trees? It was seventy percent people with backstage artists wristbands. Yeah, like there, there were, were obviously pe- yeah, like and it was just loads of like we called them VI very important pricks, just the VIP people, and like it was like like. And, and the artist bit was literally just some sofas at a bar. Yeah. Like, it, it was very much an artist festival, which was kind of funny. I actually quite like that, in fact. I feel like it really takes the pressure off the backstage area oh, where you yeah. feel like you have to compose yourself. Yeah, yeah. Whereas there, we were like, you know, falling asleep on the sofas at yeah, three in right. the morning with our silent disco headphones still on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but, it, yeah, but it, and it, and it kind of, yeah, and it like lowered the, the divide. So, like, it was just like, oh, I'm sitting on a sofa opposite the men's again but that's fine because yeah. everyone here is a fucking artist Triple tri- A stands at that festival for any arsehole allowed <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, yeah but um, during our set after we played two guys came up to George like can I have a picture and George was like yeah 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 <laughs> leaning in with a smile and they were like oh no will you take a picture of us <laughs> and George was like I feel like George was must have been crushed oh yeah he was crushed and you know what I, I, I would do the same because it was right after we played they obviously uh-huh. just didn't even catch us playing like yeah, but it was so funny. Poor George. <laughs> <laughs> That's our story about yeah. it. But to, yeah, the acoustic stage is weird. Um, uh, and Ant has a lot to fight against because obviously it's hard to get a space where you're not interrupted by noise. Yeah. And I feel I feel like Ant deserves deserves he deserves an actual a better area for himself because he's he's putting on these amazing bands and doing these really good curations. Um, they need to give him a fucking stage. <laughs> the, of that. The, the Camp Turner acoustic sets, which is where Winter Pass and Wallflower right. is. Why didn't we play in the, the the actual tree bit? Like I, I don't mean like why didn't we play this best thing? But they should have a, a more established. They should use that area for what? acoustics. Yeah, what late at night? Yeah, it'd be they, fun. They, they put they, fairy lights they, around. They, they did. They did. Oh, okay. Oh, did you not see any of the forest sessions? We, I saw the Menzingers one. Oh, that was so good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I liked how they tried to be relatable, and they're like. 
we just got a meal deal at Tesco. It's like, okay, okay, we get it. Well, we get it. Like, you're a common man, I understand. You're from Scranton. Like, it's fine. You don't need to pretend you're like... You I love know, it when bands do that. Trying, trying to relate so to funny. us. You're not, you know, we, we know you're not from Beverly Hills. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think that's so funny. I love when American bands do that for English shit. Like, yeah. It makes me laugh. The best set was a tie between The Winter Passing and The Front Bottoms. The Front Bottom set, that really got Front me Bottoms into Front Bottoms are never bad live. Yeah. They are an amazing, they're a special live band. Their songs are like completely different. Yeah, loved it. And it, it was like at the perfect time as well. Um, has, like, I would love to be one of the people just sat on their sofa. Yeah, the yeah, show. Rich and Phoebe uh, and Neil did that. Really? Yeah, because, uh, well, they support the Front Bottoms quite a while ago. This um, is Happy Accident. Yeah, yeah, at the Joiners. I think I think it was at the Joiners. And they know Esther does their PR. I think she does the same PR for Muncie Girls. Oh, okay. And she was doing merch on that tour. But I mean, you know, like, yeah, I'd like to sit on the sofa. They had, this, they had this guy during their set, didn't they, with the baby on his fucking yeah. knee. And Brian Seller was fucking being like, everyone, look at my baby. Like, like, refusing to hold it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at this. The baby was not impressed. The baby was just like, <laughs> Put me down, Dad. I want to yeah, sit exactly. back down next to Kevin Devine. <laughs> yeah. Me and Kev were having a chat. We had to interrupt it. Aww. You bastard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like we should actually talk about the band uh, oh, yeah. at some point during this because at the what time band? <laughs> I think it's sad sad blood is it? No. Yeah, I play bass in sad blood. <laughs> <laughs> you play second bass. I play second. Dad, George plays guitar. Oh yeah, they've got a bassist, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they've got Chris. Yeah, Chris. You it's play... a very good bassist. Well, you, we be like Spinal Tap, you know, when Spinal Tap played Big Bottom. No. no. Uh, so they play a song called Big Bottom where okay. everyone just plays a bass instead. Oh, of like, hell. Instead. It's George's dream and my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I like bass. Yeah. Um, I'd like to play it. It's a very cool looking instrument. But then I... I don't want to fall into trap being the woman bassist, which yeah. is a fucking shame. Bass is awesome. It's, it's why I think, going back to Pete Wentz, I think I really respect Pete Wentz because the bass is much heavier. And he did those pirouettes like. Yeah! I feel like we need yeah. 2007 era Pete Wentz back. Yes. Oh god. I mean, I love. Yeah. Like, um, I think we need more bands. I was saying to think like bands aren't as adventurous now because they can't afford to be. You know, there isn't so much opportunity for musicians and stuff. Mm. And but back in the early 2000s when fucking CDs were selling and everyone had money, you could afford to come out with a crazy concept album and have these yeah. crazy. But like, I really hope that bands that you know somehow we music manages to get that back because mm. the showmanship of early 2000s emo was fucking amazing <laughs> like the theatricality I feel like fucking... this is like a podcast set oh yeah oh, I could write a dissertation maybe that could be like a <laughs> premium special when Bitch and Brew gets to yeah, that level if you, if you buy us uh, four pints on the Weatherspoons app we will record a separate podcast you know I, I heard about a friend uh, who I won't name because he okay. might be listening and I okay. don't want to embarrass him um but hi a, friend. A, yeah, hi friend. I was about to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, he no, I he was at a spoons in London. God, has this coffee got something in it? Mm. <laughs> he he was at a spoons in London with some friends and he got around in using the app. And he didn't realise that instead of ordering the drinks to the Weatherspoons that he was at in London, he'd ordered them to the Giddy Bridge in Southampton. No! 
that's what was happening, do you think? I'd fucking hate to work here. There must be so many idiots. Like, as a joke, they order their mate, like, a single plate of peas. And I'd have to, like, prepare that shit. Ugh. Yeah, I'd hate to work. <laughs> I'm getting really passionate about it, but I would hate to work with fucking... The, the best kind of weather spoons are the airport weather spoons. You know when you go on holiday and I, yeah. you get up early and it's acceptable to drink oh, yeah. in the weather spoons to at 6am. To cope with the flight and getting up early... Um, I'm a or real... just to celebrate going on holiday, like yeah, exactly. cele- celebrate going to a foreign country where uh, their culture is much better and their food is much better. How did you start the holiday? Spoons. <laughs> so last for a while. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do in um, uh, Europe. No spoons. Are there yeah, spoons you're going. In so you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> Are there spoons? Are in there though? <laughs> Genuine question. Is it? Yeah. Um, I don't think there are. Oh. oh, well. There are spoons on motorways now, which I feel is yeah. quite disconcerting. It's it's weird. Spoons are city places. But anyway, yeah, I'm good to Europe. That'll be fun. But yeah. I feel like it's not a proper spoons in an airport because they charge twice as much. Really? Yeah. I've never been to an airport spoons because I only fly really with my family. Okay. So, obviously... Not a lot of spooning. The, the airport spoons, when you experience that, I mean, you're not, I assume you're not flying to Europe. No. <laughs> no. We might fly in the future, who knows? Yeah. On a private jet. Yeah, of course. That's class. <laughs> spoons on the plane, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's the next step. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Can you imagine that? What about? Uh, I feel like spoons on an airplane would might be a bit... Would you pay for a first class ticket if it meant that you would have access to a spoons? I would. I certainly <laughs> It depends how long the flight is. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're flying to... 40 minutes to Manchester or whatever. It's enough for a couple of spoons. A couple of spoons, a couple of pints. A couple of spoons. It's exactly 14 lattes. <laughs> Downed. So, should we actually talk about the band? Uh, you know, obviously, right. at the time we're recording the album, it's been out for how long now? Yeah. It must be around two months now at this point. Nearly two months. It will be two months on the 18th of October, and it's like the sixth. So yeah, pretty. Wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah. Feels like yesterday. Uh, Feels like yesterday. <laughs> and I remember like the last time that we spoke in a sort of more professional capacity. Like the last time we spoke in a sort of just casually. Was it on tour? We were talking about Freaky Friday and Josie and the Pussycats. Yes, that's uh, because we were touring with the biggest Josie and the Pussycats uh, fans in the world. Right. Jesus is judgmental father. <laughs> <laughs> they covered. Um, the, the main song oh, Three right, Small okay. Words I've not seen that Is it Three Small Words We're way too late That one That must be amazing You Love can it. see that I'm the one And it was like Yeah they, they nailed it So they did that In like the last Few dates Yeah, yeah. Not in Portsmouth if, 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 <laughs> No If you could pick Plymouth Plymouth <laughs> Not in Plymouth No um, If you could pick Like a really corny Movie song to cover what would it be like you know when you found yeah, Glory do yeah, their film think. covers albums let me think give me a sec suddenly I've forgotten every movie in the world <laughs> um, <laughs> oh fuck what's that Scar Band in Clueless oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you would probably either be good at doing. No, I, would... I don't know why two Hilary Duff films come to mind. Yeah. But a Cin- is there a band in Cinderella Story, and can I cover them? <laughs> a, a Cinderella Story. I remember for, to support the film. I think Hilary Duff and Hayley Duff. Oh, nice. The Duffs. The Duffs. The Duff. The Duffs. Is, I don't. Band name it's, already. <laughs> the Duffs. That's really good. Like it's like the Muffs, which is great. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, they did a cover of Our Lips Are Sealed okay. by Fun Boy 3. Anyway, <laughs> and it was terrible, but yeah. I'd imagine you were better at it. Uh, or another Hilary Duff film, Raise Your Voice. One of the one. most underrated films ever. I'll watch it. It's, it's about like Hilary Duff going to like a fame academy type thing where it's right. like, uh, well, she's going to music school and she performs like a really big number at the end of it and it's, it's awesome. Right. So I feel like that. Or you could one up Newfound Glory and do Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. Oh, or we could do. Uh, yeah. Got in every song, so and every film, <laughs> every so. movie song. Yeah, yeah. halfway through our conversation, I'll just scream something. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne's, <laughs> the Wayne's World theme tune. Oh yeah, the Wayne's World or, or his girlfriend's band. They 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 play a song. Um, yeah. She has her band and yeah. she plays bass Why and sings. Do you wanna break that my one, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll do that one. Yeah, that's that <laughs> one. <laughs> Sorted. Crucial Torn. That's what Crucial Torn. Crucial Torn. Oh, what a great band they were. What? <laughs> <laughs> that that was the uh, that was uh, what got me into like Jimi Hendrix and that really? was their cover of Fire right at the beginning of the film where they're at the gasworks. <laughs> what a film. And you know that and you know the sequel's like as good as well. It like holds up the sequels. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean the sequel's like really really cool me but um as soon as the first night that's the point <laughs> yeah the band oh, yeah <laughs> we've tried to start this conversation about three obviously the album's been out a couple of months now by the time this podcast comes out it'll oh, been yeah. a couple of months oh okay cool um I remember when we last spoke in a sort of more professional capacity you were saying that it's a really really great time for the British DIY punk scene yeah. at the moment especially yeah. in terms of um, the LGBT crowd I yeah. mean how, how are you feeling about that I think it's, that it's the best time to be a woman in quote unquote rock like mm-hmm. or any kind of subset like yeah. I am so lucky that I was the age I was and I just decided to have a band at the same time that Special Subject were putting out albums and that these other bands were existing and that like it, it's literally luck that it happened and it's so cool because ten years the other way or five years the other way it would have been different yeah um, and like people are bored finally and they've been for a long time of just the same the same straight straight guy shit and mm. like it, people are finally ready for some more more interesting stuff yeah and it's great it's like how Joyce Manor took Martha with them on tour like that you know like so cool. and it was the perfect lineup like, mm. I love both those bands like, a lot of people who love Martha love Joyce Manor um, and they recognised that and they were like creative about it instead of taking I don't know there's a fucking million bands in, in, in the UK that are four guys who play emo grunge yeah. and, I'm, and a lot of them are good but that's not even the point in a way you know Martha are better <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, because that was like, you know, obviously earlier this year there was the incident involving a particularly prolific queer rock band that we won't name. Yeah, I know. Um, But instead of everyone going, fuck this band and fuck queer rock altogether, they went, fuck that band, but here are a bunch of queer rock bands that, you know, here's the spook school, here's Nervous, here's, you know. You know? For six glorious months, like there was a band like that were packing out the garage, and there was like, uh, you know, like a 
500 people at a show all, all not straight yeah. or all, all singing about not being straight and suddenly all these people who existed all along just became really visible and you're right like now they're gone they've just they, they've just stamped up and they've just found other bands which is amazing yeah um, and like that's really encouraging for me as somebody who's writing and wants to continue the band because it's like well okay there's people out there who, who are interested in, in my perspective yeah um even though I can't provide a perspective for like uh, as many things as you know for some things I can provide a you know yeah, yeah so it's it's really cool it's encouraging as as awful and like mis- miserable as it was it was a pretty horrible time yeah it's it's really sad I literally feel like a, like they like someone died like it sucks it, it really sucks as, like even like, for me I put so a... much faith in that band mm. and I loved them and we won't name them here but you know everyone knows what we're talking yeah, about yeah everyone knows what we're talking about and if you don't just google queer band fall from grace yeah. <laughs> you'll find a million pitchfork articles <laughs> <laughs> article after article of the same thing but watching that happen in under 24 hours on twitter was like an alternate fucking reality I... it was like watching a black mirror episode yeah not a bad way it's good for accountability but it was fucking strange and to have it happen at the time when it was the day before they released the album oh my god yeah and it was the day before they were appearing on the cover of a music magazine which I won't name because I know they They had a massive tour planned and they had the album release show in New York and they had the album release show in the Coco in Camden booked a month later they they, they were going to be put on the cover of Kerrang at some point that band that's the thing everybody knew that band were Pitchfork was calling them America's biggest rock band and they were That was the first time you'd ever seen two people who were trans and non-binary and gay um, completely right, like getting to a kind of rock star fame that you didn't think was real here. Because you don't really have rock stars in like the Kurt Cobain way, but they were kind of pushing it. They were getting there. Like they had a cult, a cult following. I just wish that it had been sincere, but I think, I think... This, the feeling that of the fans and the community that they inspired, that is still sincere, even though their music maybe isn't gonna be able, if you you know yeah. I can't listen to them now and yeah, I, I can't. Uh, no and I don't each to their own. I mean they're not on Spotify, are they? So No. Uh, I mean it's all been removed and I mean and I also think I think they handled it shit, but their labels and everyone around them did the perfect thing. Big Scary Monsters did the perfect thing. Uh, they did the honourable thing. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what I mean. And who are who else had? Was it Mum? Poly, polyvinyl. Polyvinyl and uh, yeah, Polyvinyl did the perfect thing. Like uh, everyone, like Jimmy Cleveland, who drove them, who drives them on their tour. Yeah. Did the, like everyone. There's nothing anyone else could have done better, I think. Yeah. I think it was all a very... I heard someone say, I think everyone knows this tweet, but it's like, <laughs> if you did a Venn diagram of people who like this band and people who won't stand for this kind of thing and won't listen to abusers, it's a suck. Yeah. So that's their problem. That's where their downfall came is they they, they just abused everyone's trust. Damn. I mean... It was it was hard for me, even as it felt a, like a sort of a cis white male, yeah. as, as you know. Yeah. Uh, I I don't have any sort of like connection to it in the sense that it's a safe space for me. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, I'm not I'm not a queer person. I'm you know I'm, I'm straight, and but you know I saw friends that were uh, you know. You, uh, you didn't have to be queer no. or non-binary or any LGBTQ plus 
to see that amazing experience and to fucking love those riffs. Mm. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. It's, yeah, that, I, feel like, I feel like the sort of end, end point of this part of the conversation is the fact that, yes, I mean, this is an incredibly dark conversation to have, I suppose, but it's better for people to talk about it and, and go, it was a horrible time, but yeah. look at all these amazing so bands positive, that, that, right? you can, that you can go to and but, feel safe around. I like, mean, for six months, a queer rock band were the biggest band in America and they were making amazing music yeah. and in a way what what they did is separate to their music not in art from the artist but in the fact that their music inspired something bigger yeah like so in, whenever I'm really down about it and I was down about it but like it's good that happened it's better than they never formed at all you know yeah Obviously, if they hadn't formed it all, maybe some people wouldn't have been victimised and abused. I don't mean it like that. Yeah. I just mean in any kind of representation fashion. Um, and just, you know, projecting queer art onto the forefront. And now we've got queer art still as a, as a thing. Yeah. yeah. When, when, you were, when you were starting to write... For you know, for the when you started fresh, yeah. who who were your kind of who, who were the sort of icons that inspired you to write about you know these sort yeah. of things? Well, I was talking to Rich like growing up until my late teens. I didn't really I didn't have much exposure to music that wasn't punk guys. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, like lyricists I admire and love are like the Mountain Goats, John Daniel, uh, My Chemical Romance, Joyce Madder, The Front Bottom, Sorority Noise. I really fell in love really hard with emo and with kind of folk and lyricism and stuff. And um, then I discovered uh, Martha, Hopalong, Shit Present, uh, you know, and, and that's really helped me. But like when I, when I started Fresh, we weren't playing with other women really. I didn't know any, I hadn't met these amazing people we play with now. And we were playing, I was usually the only, the only not guy on the, on the lineup. Um, and it was usually, it was, some of the shows were lovely, but others weren't. Because any band that starts playing, they don't play amazing shows straight away. Um, but I'm really glad that we, we, now we do play amazing shows. <laughs> like, we, yeah, we haven't played a show in a very long time where I haven't been, like, excited about it and excited yeah. to be able to see all these bands for free. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a, a lot of what, you know... A lot of what the reviews said for the album, I, I try not to, you know, bring this up too much because it's like, oh, how did you see that review? And, you know, like, try and present it to you in a sort of, yeah. you know, critique the critique. But yeah. a lot of the reviews were saying, it, you know, it's obviously saying, like, it, you know, it's being read directly from a diary. Was it quite a sort of cathartic experience yeah. recording? Yes. Uh, I would say our writing is confessional. My writing is confessional in terms of lyrics. Um, it's definitely written in the kind of stream of consciousness way, that's how I write, because I'm, yeah. I'm emulating bands like the Front Bottoms and, and the Mountain Goats who write like that. And that's what really grabbed me into writing songs. It's the only way I know how, but I have issue when people say diary. Oh, I'm um, sorry. No, 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 it's fine. It's you probably A lot of reviews say it, so you're probably quoting it, but uh, especially when it's a young woman or a late teenage girl, because it does trivialise the work right um, even if I did some lines were, were from not a diary but written down in a, in a notebook but it, 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 yeah um, I, that, that's an issue I found in some reviews that's about it like yeah. no one's been horrible 
I feel like the whole, it reads like it's from a diary, maybe over-romanticises it. Over it, it kind of makes it feel sure. like you're a character from like a John Hughes it's Totally, film and it's like, and also I'm not a 13 year old, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be 21 in fucking November, you yeah. know, like, and like, yeah, like a diary, a diary is nothing wrong in itself, but unfortunately it's, 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 it's associated with vapid teenage girls, which is not real. But that's just how it how it comes up. Yeah. Um, and you rarely see male writers being like lifted as if lifted straight from his diary. Yeah. It's like no, maybe as if lifted straight from his large wooden leather and bound journal of man science or something. I don't <laughs> fucking know. <laughs> lifted from a bit of paper, screwed his up. Golden scroll upon uh, the mountain of art. <laughs> thrown in the man drawer. In an energy drink. <laughs> <laughs> Message in a monster can. <laughs> yeah. It came to him when he was pondering at the side of a lake. Yeah. Um, with his boys. With the lads. A couple, the, couple at, cans. At the kegger. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and people don't mean... I'm sure some people don't mean to do it when they say it and write it. But I... I, I yeah. That's, that's the only thing. Other people say it was too short. I don't know. I'm not going to push the song out longer like, to make it longer. How, how long is the album? It's like 20... 22, one minutes. <laughs> 21 minutes. It's like... It's fine. Well, that's a, like... I like it when albums are short. I'm a busy person. Yeah. I like to <laughs> listen to a full album on my lunch break. Yeah, Otherwise, I love I feel that. Like, yeah. You know, the, the journey is incomplete and I have to make it, a it, longer lunch break and kiss my boss off. It has benefits because people are more likely to listen the whole way through. Mm. And, you know, you know, there's a, there's a lot... In this this social media age, there's a lot going on. You know, yeah. you've got to grab people's attention. Absolutely. I'm not going to draw out a song just because I'm worried someone's going to say it's too short. Do you feel like you're ever going to branch into sort of napalm death six second songs? Uh, six second songs. Yeah. Probably oh, that's, not. That's the guy on YouTube, isn't it? The guy that does the twenty styles of things. Where he Is does... he where he writes a song about everything? No, oh. like people uh, say like. Uh, re- request for him to write a six second song and they pay him to write whatever it is about so they send him his like birthday messages and stuff I think yeah I know in that in whatever guy. style and he does the song in 20 different styles <laughs> anyway do you think you're ever going to go into that sort of napalm death territory never, never of, say never but I don't think I, could, I don't think I would be able to get anything out of a six second song right now I yeah. don't it would be like, yeah, unless it was stylistic. You know, some people have, have 20 second songs of them talking in the studio to interlude or whatever. Yeah. I, I can imagine that, but um, I, I don't. Uh, it's like how. I don't think about the length of the song. You can't, because then you're, you're, you're not thinking about the song, you're thinking about what other people think. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll write a song that's like four minutes at some point in our lives, and we'll keep writing songs that are like one minute. It's not going to be, we're never going to be a fixed thing. I told you it was a good one. I told you it was going to be a good one. That was Bitchin' Brew episode number 11 with Catherine Woods from Fresh. Fresh's self-titled debut album is out now on Specialist Subject Records, uh, or you can get it digitally through the band's Bandcamp. I'll leave links for both uh, in the description of this video. Uh, They're going to be doing a couple more shows to round the year off. Uh, If you happen to be in the Bristol area, they're actually going to be opening for the movie life uh, at the Exchange on November 17th and uh, Friends of Bitch and Brew Wallflower are also going to be on that 
bill as well. Uh, shame I can't get up for that one because that is a seriously great bill. Um, and they're also doing a, a gig at the Dublin Castle in Camden, uh, London Town, their hometown show with uh, Brutaligators and Gender Rolls. Um, so if you can get down to that one, that's at the Dublin Castle, Camden on December 7th. Thank you so much for tuning in to Bitchin' Brew. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast and SoundCloud. Uh, Bitchin' Brew is on Twitter. It's just at Bitchin' Brewcast. And we're also on Facebook too. Just search Bitchin' Brew Podcast or go to facebook.com forward slash b.brewcast. Uh, the next episode will be coming in a couple of weeks' time. In fact, we're going to be bringing you a few episodes over the next few weeks in the lead-up to 2017. I'm very happy to tell you uh, we've got a podcast which is already in the bag, recorded with the guys in Acid Tongue. Um, and we're also going to be doing our big Albums of 2017 special, uh, backed by popular demand after the success of the Albums of 2016 special, but with different guests this time, of course. Also got a couple of other podcasts in the pipeline, so as far as new episodes goes before the end of 2017, you will be getting uh, your fill and more. Uh, talking about the next episode, Bitchin' Brew number 12, well, uh, my guest will be... The wonderful Joe Booley. Joe is a uh, very talented singer-songwriter, as you'll hear in a minute. But he also runs his own uh, record label called Beth Shalom Records. Uh, does some wonderful independent releases, uh, especially uh, his uh, tape releases are a mainstay of my car soundtrack, if you will. Um, like I said, he is a very talented singer-songwriter and musician as well. I'm going to be playing a song uh, from his uh, last mini-album called Transformations uh, just to round this podcast off. This is a nice mellow one to sort of bring it to an end. My name's Danny Ranton, this has been the Bitch and Brew podcast, and this is Joe Booley with Taken Over Me.
dark, the sudden.